0: We're going to open our, our Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be using the scripture a lot this morning, but we're going to be staying right in this passage. So on your phones or tablets or in your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, keep it open for the whole sermon because you're going to want to see if what I'm saying is really right and so you can go back and check out my facts. So I'm going to start with verse 14 this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 We're going to read to the end of the chapter, and then we're going to dig into it. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from an earthly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation as though God were making his appeal through us. We employ you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's word this morning, amen. Well, nothing you could do, nothing you could say to me, nothing was going to make me do what I was about to do. You you couldn't persuade me enough, enough. you couldn't pay me enough, you couldn't threaten me enough. Yet, I was going to do it anyway. I was going to step up. I was going to be on the front line. Now, why on earth would I be compelled to do what I was about to do? So my brother and sister-in-law, Jeff and Carla, were going to go out of town for a few days, and I was going to keep their children at this time, my niece, Daly, was five, and Bennett was 18 months old, and he's here this morning, so I have all his permission to share this story. <laughs> it's not Lucas, but it's close. So everything was going great, because um, this was one of the first times the kids were going to spend the night, spend the week at my house, and because uh, they were at my house and everything was a little bit different, um, we were going to uh, have our sleeping arrangements was a little bit different than we would at home. So everything was going great, we were loving on one another, aunt, niece and nephew, everything was cool. At this age, the big thing was Charlotte's Web, Pocahontas and fruit snacks. So uh, what could go wrong? So again, like because it was at my house and because how young they were, we were going to sleep in the same bed. And so it was the first night and B- Daly was sleeping on the right and Bennett was sleeping in the middle and, and I was sleeping on the left. And, and I remember I was sleeping well and... Um, it was about 2.15 in the morning, and uh, something stirred me. Uh, there was a noise. There, there was something happening, and, and I didn't recognize it. And, and I was half asleep anyway, and so whatever was going on, my mind wouldn't click in to say, okay, something, something not right here, but, but I was stirred. Um, I, I couldn't get fully awake to, to really understand what was happening in the room, but then, then suddenly just like boom, uh, the whole room suddenly erupt. Uh, I bit it in just one quick motion, like flung himself up in the bed and began heaving, vomit everywhere. Now, Now, it was unbelievable how much projection that little body could get. <laughs> I apologize for those in the room that if they hear that word, it makes them sick. There's 53 words for that word, and I couldn't find a nice way to say it. Anyway, I had like a microsecond to react. Now, now, in that moment, I did um, what I would only do for two human beings on the face of the earth Daly and Bennett. Carson wasn't born yet. <laughs> they are the only two people on the face of the earth that I did what I would have done at that moment. I tried to catch the vomit in midair. <laughs> I, I didn't follow my natural instincts to fling myself out of bed. Or, better yet, to fling the child out of bed. (laughs) But, But my love for Bennett at that moment compelled me to stay right where he was at. I was by his side. I was holding him. I was letting them know he wasn't alone. I was making sure that he was just heaving over both of us. So is that what love looks like? How could something so repulsive and so intense be anything else but love. Bennett, I'm compelled to be beside you in this moment. In this moment, I love you more than I've ever loved you before. I am not going to leave you. I am in this with you. And and on a side note, Daly loved her brother so much that eight hours later, she began to throw up as well. (laughs) Compelling love. In our scripture in verse 14, Paul writes, for Christ's love compels us. Now, the Bible never says that Christ's love compels us to catch vomit. But it does say this. It says that that the love, that Christ's love will characterize our lives as to be the core of our motivation and the driving force of all we do. Christ's love will characterize our lives, become the core motivation and the driving force of everything we do. So Paul here is just so compelled. The words he's using in the scripture are just so intense. He's consumed by some message. See, Paul has figured it out. He's figured out something that is changing his life. Reading again from a few of those verses, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. If anyone is in Christ... A new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to him through Christ. From God who reconciled us to himself. Now, the word reconciled originated as a banking term. It's used four times. A form of reconciled is used four times in this scripture. Um, And and Paul here is finding such passion in this word. It, It originated as a banking term. Um, when you bring an account into agreement. Now, I was going to say when you balance your checkbook, but I thought if I said that, I would lose half the audience. Those who don't have a checkbook and those who don't balance it. Well, maybe more than half. But it's when an account isn't matching, and we have to reconcile the account so that it matches. Now, the word reconcile is also used in relationships. When two people are at odds with one another... They take steps to reconcile the relationship back into a harmony, maybe why it was once a harmony, or maybe even a greater harmony than it had ever been before. Now, I want you to imagine with me today a two-sided ledger, okay? Now, on this side of the ledger is us, and on this side of the ledger is God. Listen to how Paul describes us in Romans chapter 3 from the message. From the Living Translation, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does any good, not a single one. Their talk is foul. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. These verses, they illustrate our hostility and our sinful nature towards God. Again, it, it just permeates with poison and shame and sin. But now on this other side of the ledger, on this other side is God. And on this other side is righteousness, holiness, forgiveness, restoration. On this other side is everything that we want in our lives. And... In between these two sides is this great divide. But God, God in his perfect love solves the equation. And Paul understood this. So God took Jesus in his perfect sinless state and he moved him into this filth of where we live. And Jesus on the cross took our sin. This side of the ledger, ledger, it dies. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. No wonder Paul is so compelled. No wonder he's so overwhelmed by this. But it gets better. And I think this, this is where we miss it sometimes as Christians. We understand this part of it. We just celebrated it on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. That God sent Jesus into our side of the ledger to clean the ledger up. But here's something that we miss so often. And Paul says it so well. God took the righteousness of Jesus and gives it to us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Not only does Jesus go to that side, but God has brought us to this side. Amen? Now that is pretty exciting news. So God is doing this great exchange. God exchanged a hostile relationship with a relationship of love. It says in verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. This is a perfect love story. Now, I and my friends, we we love the Hallmark Channel. Well, that was a lie. I and some of my friends like the Hallmark Channel. My other friends just make fun of us for watching the Hallmark Channel. But the Hallmark Channel is full of love stories. And as some of my friends who don't enjoy it say, love stories that are all exactly identical. But there is a significance between the Hallmark movies and God's love story. And that is that God's love story is always partnered with sacrifice. You can't separate the two, love and sacrifice. The love of Christ and the death of Christ are completely intertwined in this love story. Listen to these two verses. For God so loved the world that he gave. But God has demonstrated his own love for us. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, see, we have a hard time comprehending this type of perfect love. We accept Christ into our hearts as Lord and Savior, and for the very first time we understand and accept God's love for us, but it goes so much further. Because in my own life, it is so precious that even after I receive Christ in my heart, I keep sinning. And I sin over and over again, and he loves and forgives me over and over and over again. Now, now that right there is great stuff. And, and we could just go home right now riding on those thoughts. That, that's, that's, that's good. As Dan Bowie says, that's good preaching. But to be fair to God, it doesn't stop there with what he did. It demands a response. Love always demands a response. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, is what Paul said in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We are Christ's ambassadors. As God was reconciling us to Himself, we are now the ambassadors of a message of reconciliation. Remember, love and sacrifice go together. If we're going to receive this great love from God, then there's a sacrifice on our part, and that is to be his ambassadors of the message of reconciliation. Cindy, what's the message of reconciliation? Ah, it's this great exchange. When God balanced the books. Not only did he take Jesus and move him into our ledger, But he takes us out of our ledger and moves us into his righteousness. That is what reconciliation is. Now, in 2005, you'll remember we had Hurricane Katrina. It ripped through the Gulf Coast. It destroyed New Orleans and other major uh, coastal cities. Now, the amount of money and manpower that was spent on the recovery was astonishing. It, It became the pride of America. Um, we were at its, our best in 2005 as we as Americans gave financially and with our muscle to the recovery efforts. But something happened in 2005 in that recovery that, that we didn't expect to happen. Uh, something took place that uh, no one saw coming. And by Christmas of 2005, the United States experienced something called compassion fatigue. As Katrina victims became America's focus, other compassionate ministries and nonprofit organizations began to suffer. And by Christmas, America was kind of depleted of giving. We had not been stingy. We had been exceedingly generous. But we simply ran out of resources. I believe that's what happens to me as this ambassador of Christ. Uh, I know I'm supposed to care for the loss. Uh, I I, I know I'm supposed to care for my community. I know I'm supposed to uh, give to China. Uh, But there's just such a big need. So honestly, after the week we've just had, the world seems so broken to me that it's hard for me to really believe that change can happen. I get so overwhelmed by the brokenness that I see in our community The brokenness of Chicago, the brokenness of all the Flint Michigans of the world, the brokenness in foreign countries like Syria, and I just think, it's too big, I can't do this, it's too lost, and I have compassion fatigue. So it's easier for me to do nothing, or to ignore it, or to do the bare minimum so I don't feel guilty. That's my second mistake. I'll get to my first mistake in a minute. My second mistake is thinking that I'm responsible for change. No wonder I don't believe change can happen if I think it's all resting on my shoulders. If I'm measuring the possibility of change in my community according to my own abilities, we ain't going nowhere. In the same way that I could never reconcile Myself to God, I cannot reconcile the world to God. That is only the work of the Holy Spirit. Change is the work of the Holy Spirit. My city, my church, my country, my world is the work of the Holy Spirit. But where is that Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit in me. I am the ambassador of change. I do not create the change. I carry the change to the loss. What's my first mistake? My first mistake is not truly understanding and grasping the love of God. As I studied and and embraced the scripture, I, I, I went to Andrew and the staff really in February and said, I really believe in April we need to preach from Christ's love compels us. And then when um, uh, Andrew and I talked about this morning, um, I knew, I knew without a doubt, this was going to be my text. And then last week at the missions convention, um, Samantha preached from the text, and it was awesome, and I thought of just playing you the tape so I didn't have to do it again. But um, God really moved my heart this week. Oh, my word, he moved my heart. God, God is showing me that I thought I knew his love, and I don't even have a glimpse of what his love is like. So as I studied and embraced this perfect love, it started to change me all over again this week. As I, as I began to follow the spirit of God, and, and I began to all week long ask God, teach me about your love. Fill me with your love. Change me in your love. God, I want to be in your love story. And, and the more I did this, the more I just realized that, that, um, that this love, this compelling love that Paul's talking about, it's for my family. But it's also for my enemies. It's for my friends, but it's also for strangers. It's for my country, but it's also for the foreigners. Just as Christ's love defines me, Christ desires that his love define the world. That's the beginning of change. So Paul wrote here, for Christ's love compels us. And the question I've been asking myself all week is, does it? Does Christ's love really compel us? Our church mission statement is, we exist to live out God's story in our community. During the month of April, our theme is One Story, One Mission. Local, national, international. Our story, our story is God, out of his great love, reconciled me. Our mission, God out of his great love has reconciled you. Does love compel us? Please stand. All week as I prepared for this, I realized that there could be people here today that have never yet figured out this great exchange. They have never accepted what God has done for them on the cross. They don't know how to love. They don't know how to receive God's love because they've never taken that first step to ask Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior. The work has already been done, but we have to receive that. This morning, if you would like to make that step in your life of accepting the great exchange that God has for you, after the service, Pastor Simone, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Brandon, myself will be down front We want to talk to you. We have resources for you. We want to pray with you, and we want to help you start on that journey. Church, church, what you need to wrestle with is, does God's love compel me? And if it really does, then how do I respond? Father God, I pray that you will be upon these good people. God, all week you gave me that song, Reckless Love, and those words just keep going through my mind. Your love for us was reckless. Likewise, our love for the world is to be reckless. God, thank you for Jeremy and the work he's doing. Thank you for his family. Thank you for anointing his son. Thank you, God, for this morning, today, wherever, whatever time it is in China, there are Christians right now and, and they're studying the word and they're preparing, the Lord, to teach the word this week. God, they don't have Bibles in their own language. They, they don't have the skills yet to even know how to create their own Bible study. But God, through our prayers through our presence, through us lifting up Jeremy and his family, through us working and asking the Holy Spirit to move into China, you can make change. But likewise, God, you can make change right here, right now, at Kanki First Church. There are people here right now, and they have known about this reconciliation, but they have never accepted it. They have known that you made this great exchange, but they're still living in their poison. So many of us choose to stay stuck on this side of the ledger when you have carried us already to the righteous side of the ledger. So God, move our hearts this morning. May we not be afraid of this great love story that you have for us. I pray this morning that there will be that one who will be bold enough to move forward this morning instead of backward at the end of this service. To talk to a pastor to kneel, to let us pray with them, God. Lord, you changed Chris Wafford's heart three months ago. We want Chris Wafford's today, just like Chris, to accept and know your love. But God, what about the rest of this church this morning? We've known your love for a really long time. Are we compelled? Are we compelled with your love? Does it really make a difference in our lives? Lord, can't guilt them into it. Can't beg them into it. Can't even preach them into it. Your Holy Spirit has to change the way we think. May we be open to your Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you. Thank you for the good day we've had in the Lord. Thank you for the healing that's happening on our pastor. Thank you for all the work you're doing that we're not even aware of. In your name, amen. Have a great day.